conspiracy theories, eh? Wait till you get a load of this. Hello, and welcome to Crack Sisters Conspiracies. We're a podcast that covers conspiracy theories, mysteries, and all over spooky shit. My name is Cassandra. And I'm Jackie. And we are said sisters. What's up? What's up? Nothing. Been with me for the last hour. We just got back from the gym. We did. We did a good ab workout. Core day. I'm admittedly very weak in my core. So <laughs> okay. We're working on it. I'm I'm weak in my legs. I get it. That is where I shine. So we have opposite. We do stuff. So what's new and exciting with you? I shaved off 10 years of my life yesterday with a mouse incident. Tell me about it, Dr. Seuss. (laughs) There was a mouse in my house. (laughs) I got woken up at like 1, 1, 1 1.30 in the morning by a loud noise. So I naturally assumed someone was breaking into my house. So I searched my house and it was nothing. But Archer and Lola were panting like they had just been sprinting. I'm like, that's weird. And for context, I sleep with my back door open. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Important to the point of the story. The back door of the house. Of the house. To clarify. (laughs) So I thought maybe he was trying to get into the food container, which I keep on top of a table. So I'm like, oh, whatever. So I put something heavy on top. And then I closed my bedroom door and I went back to sleep. So you're like still kind of in a daze. And yeah, I'm just like, what the fuck? Why are you guys making noise and almost knocking shit over? So then I wake up at seven in the morning and I go outside and they're still in the living room searching. They're going through. I have all my boxes because I'm moving in my living room and they're like fixated on this corner. And I'm like, God, there's got to be something in there, but I don't feel like worrying about that. So I go to feed (laughs) them and I go to take their dog food out and I see two mouse turds on top Uh... of my food container. I'm like, oh my God, there's a fucking mouse in this house. So I'm like, I'm just going to figure this out. (laughs) I don't like critters or anything that crawls or runs. So I feed the dogs and then I let them out and I'm like, okay, go go get it. Because Lola's like fucking on a mission. She wants to get it. Archer's just excited to be involved. And so I'm like, okay, my goal is I'm going to move some boxes so that they can get their heads in there and they can get the mouse. Lola is now on top of the boxes, (laughs) breaking the tape and just falling into every single (laughs) one of my boxes. I move a box and I go to pull her down and I think she steps on my foot and I look down and there's a fucking mouse on my foot. So I kick my foot and it goes flying into the fucking wall. And I fucking sprint, screaming to my bedroom. I lock myself in the bedroom and I'm crying and I called you. Yes, you did. And you're not helpful. Well, okay. You call me at seven o'clock or so in the morning. Like I have a bit of an emergency. So and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I had just dropped Grayson off at school. I'm on my way to work. And you regale me with your tale of the mouse in your house. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do with Wait, um, so I'm like, okay, keep your doors open. Hopefully it'll run out, sick the dogs on it. And then, yeah, the thought of putting mouse traps down. I gave ideas. I don't know what you- They weren't good. I don't know. So then I, <laughs> I don't know what I expected, but that wasn't it. <laughs> I offered Evan's assistance. <laughs> we did. He was so told. then I called my neighbor who didn't answer. <laughs> and then he later texted me and said, hey, you know, I saw you call. Is everything okay? I go, no, there's a mouse in my house. And he just said, LOL. And I went, cool, you're fucking useless. So then I called dad, 
And then my lone lady was calling me. So I hung up on dad and then I went, okay, I need to come up with a better plan. So I called Danny. Of course, Danny in the class. And I'm like, hey, I have an emergency, but it's nothing dire. So he called me. He goes, what's wrong? I go, well, there's a mouse in my house and I need you to come get it. And he's like, all right, I'll be over shortly with one of my kids. So he comes over and I'm like, it's in the living room somewhere. I don't think it's come out because the dogs are still interested in that area. So me and the kids stand on the coffee table (laughs) and he's searching and he finds it behind the ottoman where Bruce sits. Oh, okay. And he's like, okay. So I said, I have mouse traps if that works. He's like, yeah, so go grab them. I had like 12. I have a brand new box. He starts grabbing them and then he looks, he goes, it's gone. I go, what do you mean it's gone? (laughs) And then so he looks, okay, it's behind your big couch now. We came up with a plan that we opened the front door, we put the dogs outside and we set up mouse traps along the left side of the couch and then the open door was on the right. To try to go to its death or it could run outside. Corral it. One of those choose your own adventures. As this is going on, I hear beep. Beep, beep, outside. And I went, oh my God, I'm getting a mattress delivered today. And they're fucking on time. It was from eight to 11 and they came at eight on the dot because they fucked around last delivery date. And I think they felt bad. As they should. I I, hate windows. I I know, right? So I ran out there real quick. I'm like, hey, he's like, oh, you're expecting a delivery. I go, yeah, I go, I'm kind of in the middle of of something. I said, we're trying to, to do something. Just hold on. He goes, okay. So then I go back inside and Danny's like, okay, I'm ready. So he moves the couch. And instead of the mouse choosing A or B, it chooses C and runs into my bookshelf. So I start screaming. (laughs) Then Danny's running after it with a bucket. He goes into the kitchen and I just hear fucking shit being kicked and pushed over. And I can tell he's near my trash cans. So I go back out to the guy and I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry. We're trying to catch a mouse. And he's like, mouse, move. And shoves past me to go watch Danny (laughs) catch the mouse. To watch, not guy. holding the mattress and I'm like it's you and me buddy let's go and he looks at me like you can't fucking move this and I'm like do you want to try me right now (laughs) so we him and I uh deliver the mattress into the bedroom and then by the time the mattress is in there Danny's like okay I have it and he's holding the bucket and he has a like a plank over it a plank over it because that's how he scooped it up and he goes well what do you want me to do with it I go well take it in the fucking backyard he goes okay take a video of it this is cool I'm like sure (laughs) so we go outside and it's him and his kid on the lawn and I'm standing very far away And I'm like, hey, go to just the corner of my house. There's a hole in the fence. It can get out if it wants to. He starts walking, but then he decides to show his kid. So he takes the fucking top off. And you can see it's a massive fucking mouse. It It was huge. It was like fucking this big. If it wasn't a mouse, for sure, I would have thought it was a rat. I know, but they told me it was a mouse and that makes me feel better. He's like showing his kid and and the mouse looks stunned. It's not moving. It's just standing perfectly still. And then it realizes I have freedom. So it fucking jumps out of the bucket and just fucking beelines towards me which causes me to fucking lose my shit and start screaming all over again danny is laughing so fucking hard the kid i don't even know where the kid is and then it just runs into the bushes i thought it was going back in the house because it ran back towards the house you didn't close the door on your way out i wasn't expecting it to fucking turn around and run back at me you have to prepare for everything But then it's it's gone. So you sent me this video. I sent you the video. It was the best fucking thing I've ever seen. And then I, of course, had to share it I watched with it the people long in my today. office. I'm like, this is a TikTok <laughs> gold. This is something you would totally see on the internet. Yes. It was fucking hilarious. We're going to upload it on Patreon. If we will. Yes. It, it's, it's just me absolutely going insane. <laughs> this mouse charging at me. It was hilarious God, it was the most terrifying probably hour of my life and i feel like i I lost 10 years of my life so to be fair while yes it was traumatic and an experience 
you do realize that in most people's existence, a mouse in the house is not a level 10 catastrophe. I don't know how. (laughs) I don't like spiders, lizards, and I really should somebody's leaving my back door open. You should. I I closed it all night last night. I was very strict with it. I'm honestly surprised you haven't had that's more wild said. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's actually a really good point. I probably shouldn't do that anymore. I remember in the apartment, we used to sleep with the sliding door slightly cracked mm-hmm. because we didn't have a dog door and the dogs yeah. would need to come and go. But it took years off of my life because I was always so paranoid that someone was going to break into the oh, apartment. I would love someone too, so that's fine. But I didn't want that. Well, didn't someone break in through the window? We did have the Viking <laughs> come through the window. To be fair, it wasn't a planned B and E. He was super drunk and decided to like fuck around and find Go out through your window and ended with Evan's gun in his face so, <laughs> and the police being called. That was an experience. So that a mouse, I'm they're on the same level to me. <laughs> sure, sure. Anywho, but yes, yeah, I'm, I'm glad was, you survived. Me too. It I'm was a glad, close call. And I'm glad there was something to show for. Oh, gosh, me too. Because <laughs> I had a feeling Danny's wife might not believe me. Because <laughs> it's like, that's like a line. Like, oh, there's a bat in my attic. There's, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a mouse in my house. I'm like, no, I am crying. <laughs> And I'm hyperventilating. This is this it's is a, not a ploy. I'm it scared. Is a true LaRue level <laughs> emergency. Oh. Well, that being said, we'll let you compose yourself and then we will dive into today's topic, which is not anywhere near as fun and exciting oh. as your experience. It's actually quite terrifying. Okay. And it's one of the main reasons that I'm super scared to travel abroad okay. because I fear that for whatever reason, I will have committed some transgression that will end up with me in a foreign prison, unable to get out. That means we're going to be talking about the Amanda Knox story. So I remember you mentioning it. Mm -hmm. I know, I think she's maybe suspected of killing someone. And I know it was in... Right. Okay. So that was about the the same remembrance that I had. I didn't want to look into it because I wanted to be surprised. With what sure. I had the same kind of fuzzy memory of it. I remember when it happened because I was about the same age as she was okay. when it happened. Well, actually, we are the same age. We were both born in 87. But so we were... I say we like I was part of it, like 20. I was at Moore Park out of high school. So I remember hearing about it. She was found guilty of murdering her roommate in Italy. That's really all I knew. The case itself is kind of crazy. And the ending is, I'll see how you feel at the end of it. Because there's... Yeah, because I've heard there's like a couple different ways to take... To interpret it and and the ways it may lean. Okay. But let's get just a little background. So Amanda Knox, like I said, she's my age. She was born in 1987 and she is from Seattle, Washington. She was from a white middle-class family and her parents divorced when she was like 10. Back in the day when the concept of a middle-class family existed, it doesn't exist now, but like we were middle-class. We could go on trips and stuff. Her family, they had splurged on one of those big family once-in-a-lifetime trips, and they went to Italy when she was 15. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's when her initial introduction to Italy was. So she got to travel the country, and then her mom ended up giving her a copy of the book Under the Tuscan Sun. I've never read it. I've never seen the movie. I know. I'm fairly certain it has Diane Lane in it, whom I adore. Yeah, look her up. I love her. She is great. I was watching The Perfect Storm like a month or so ago. She's in that. 
she was big in like the late 90s early 2000s oh she was yeah i don't think i like her oh i like her but anywho that whole like book sparked this whole love and interest more so in the women wanting to go to italy and romanticizing so it's like eat pray love yes but this was before that this was that first iteration every woman that i've ever spoken to all the women in my office are like under the tuscan sun oh my god but they're all like middle-aged women except for one of my colleagues Jessica, who was currently in Italy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. She's on a yoga retreat, but I'm actually a little concerned for her. And I'm not going to say anything about this until she gets back. Because I was thinking about her as I was going through this. It's not the same circumstances by any means, but. Dude, I was convinced I was going to get kidnapped when I went to Cancun. Mexico is scary. Or not even a month, maybe three weeks after we got back because we stayed in Planet Hollywood Resort. Oh, that's right. Which is in the strip of all the. Mm -hmm. different resorts that they have it's kind of towards the end though a couple weeks after we returned there was a a report of a different resort but the cartel or whomever had gone in to the specific resort (gasps) and killed a whole bunch of holy shit well yeah because the thing that you hear about mexico specifically is like as long as you stay within the resorts you should be fine but you do not go outside wanted to go to the mayan the ruins the ruins and also i said ah that's cool i'm not the one i'm not leaving the resort i'm not comfortable with it i understand probably no one's gonna kidnap me with you because you are a A giant yeah but i really don't feel like risking it so let's just stay and get drunk Yeah. So like a time in my life ago, I would have liked to have gone back to Mexico. We've gone a couple of times as family trips. I haven't been back as an adult just because I've been really wary of it. My sister-in-law, her and her family go every summer. They they go and like live there for like a whole month, but I'm not about that life. Especially since we are so white. We speak no Spanish. No. Or not any other language. I I know how to ask for a beer, the bill in the library. Like that's about (laughs) it. Um, But yeah, and as far as like foreign travel goes, the only other place other than Mexico I've been is Canada. And I'm not that concerned about Canada. I agree. But I haven't left the continent, but I'm scared to. I know, it is scary. Honestly, don't really have much of a desire to go to Europe, really. I never did. I only ever wanted to visit Ireland and Scotland. Sure. That's my bucket list. But now the more that I get older, the more I kind of want to see Italy just because I want to eat their food. Yeah, maybe. I, I can die without going. But I was thinking, I heard something not too long ago. It's like some trope like, oh, Americans suck. They never travel. They never experience other cultures. Yeah, because it's fucking terrifying. No one likes Americans. So to to travel outside and try to learn their culture or broaden your fucking horizons, you're going to get shit on anyway. So why would I do that? And it's good that you say that because there is some of that tinge to the Amanda Knox story. She's an American who's going to be living abroad for school. And like you said, a lot of other cultures look down on Americans. They They do not like us. So there is that. So kind of keep that in the back of your mind as we go through this. She had traveled to Italy with her family. She really loved it. And when she got to college age, she was going to the University of Washington and she was studying linguistics there. She was a good student. She was described as just kind of a nice, goofy girl. She played soccer, but she was kind of like quiet and reserved, inexperienced as far as life goes. But she had wanted to do a year studying abroad and she wanted to go to Italy for that. 
she started working part-time jobs in order to save up and ultimately was able to save enough to do her year studying. As a linguistics major, did she speak Italian? That was what she was going there for. So she was going to brush up on her Italian. So that was one of the main courses that she was doing. Her family wasn't super stoked about her going overseas for a whole year. Because a year, and she was 20 at that time. And so they didn't feel like she was mature enough, that she wasn't cautious or wary enough i didn't have enough life experience and was described as being maybe a little too naive and like too trusting of people when i think of her i was thinking of my daughter who's eight who has no situational awareness whatsoever i don't know when that's gonna kick in (laughs) but i was also i've looked into it because i'm like i'm a little concerned but it's very common for kids in the developmental stages that they can only focus on one thing at a time. I'd say probably teens, you you start getting that because you're so self-conscious about yourself. That's when you start looking at other people. And that's, I think, when you might start to start noticing Be more aware outside of just you. But I don't know. But I am like almost convinced that she can't walk and chew gum at the same time currently. <laughs> that will come later. But there's nothing stopping her from walking dead on into the middle of the street if you're talking to her. Like, <laughs> so it gives me pause. And apparently still at 20, Amanda Knox's family felt that same way. Okay. She, like I said, did end up making it to Italy and she found a place. Okay. I need to precurse this by saying I apologize to all Italians. I'm going to butcher every name, place, everything. Some of them I'm not even going to try. So just please, I'm sorry in advance. Okay, We're so uncultured Americans. We are. And this is why people don't like us. So she ended up finding a place in Perugia. Perugia, I don't know how to pronounce it. And she ended up moving in late September of 2007. It was a four-bedroom apartment and she had three other female roommates, okay. one of which was Meredith Kircher. So she plays a bigger role in the whole case of Amanda Knox. And Kircher was an exchange student from Britain. While she was in Italy, Amanda had gotten a part-time job at a local bar called Le Chic. And um, it was owned by a man named Patrick Lumumba. And overall, she was living up in Italy, partying, studying, romping around with the local menfolk. Um, You know, shelter girl released out in the wild on her own, doing as one would do, exploring. She got along fine with her roommates, but they did state that they didn't see her very often because she preferred to socialize with the locals. Again, she was a linguistic major. She was trying to exactly just be in the culture and just practice and interact and speak with everyone that was there. The apartment that she lived in was part of a villa that had another living space that also had men living in it. So she lived in the apartment with the women. It's like a dorm almost. Kind of, but it was a converted villa and there was like basement apartments and stuff and so like the men kind of kept to themselves in one area the women in the other and one of the men that lived there his name was Giacomo Salenzi and he had befriended Amanda and her roommate Meredith over they had similar taste in music that's kind of how they bonded and so they would hang out often and eventually Giacomo ended up introducing the girls to an acquaintance of his and the other guys that lived there I'm going to butcher his name, but I've just been calling him Rudy Goody the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is how his last name is spelled, but I don't know if it's that's... Guid? Like Guid. I'm calling him Rudy Goody. I like Rudy Goody. I like Rudy Goody too. <laughs> okay. So about a month after moving to Italy, Meredith and Giacomo, one of the dudes that lived in the villa, 
they started getting it on. They had gone to a nightclub together with a small group of friends that included Amanda. And they just decided that, hey, we're just going to do this thing. Okay. Well, and, how old was he? Did we know? Uh, so they're all about the same age. They're all young 20s, all exchange students. They're studying. So later that same day at, that they had gone to the club, Rudy Goody ended up visiting all of the friends in the basement of the villa. And this was kind of like a, a normal thing. They would all hang out. Rudy would show up. He was like a local that lived there. He wasn't part of the villa, okay. but he was, like I said, an acquaintance, not a friend. People just kind of knew him. Yeah. Amanda and Meredith, like I said, they all liked music and they would go to concerts together. And so they went to a concert together about five days after their last hookup at the nightclub. So this is October 25th. So they've been in Italy about a month mm -hmm. now, like I said. And um, while at this concert, Amanda meets a guy named Rafael Solicito. Mm -hmm. Again, don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. So sorry. He was 23 years old. He was a software engineering student and he kind of looked like Harry Potter. He looked like <laughs> Harry Potter and Stephen Register put together. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Uh, well, they had a love at first sight moment and they ended up just kind of globbing on to each other. Those hormones were racing. They became infatuated with one another almost immediately. And Amanda just stopped staying at the apartment oh. and ended up just staying with Raphael and would just sleep at his place. And his, they call it flat out there, is about five minutes from where her apartment was. So it was relatively close. So she would just kind of chill there instead of hanging out at home with her roommates. On November 1st, Knox was supposed to work a shift at Le Chic, but her boss, Patrick, had texted her about 8.30 that night saying that she wasn't needed because I guess November 1st is a holiday in Italy, so there's not a lot of people out and about. And also, it's the day after Halloween. So yeah. all of the partying had happened the night before. So it was expected that there weren't going to be a lot of people. They're all going to be recovering. So he's like, I don't think we need you. Just don't worry about coming in. And so she had stated that she then turned off her phone after re responding, okay, great, thanks, see you later. And her reason for turning off her phone was that she didn't want him to, like, change his mind and text her to, like, come in later. Okay. Which, I mean, I can see that, but... And it's 2007. People might have actually turned their phones off. The, yeah. yeah, this was, like, still pretty early on in the whole texting and cell world. I think world. I remember turning off my phone. When I had one. Sure. Now you don't turn it off unless it dies. Right. Yeah. Because the brick phones, if you use it for more than, you know, an hour or two, they would die anyway yeah. or need to be recharged. But so she had turned it off. Okay. And then she ended up staying the night at Raphael's place again and then returned back to her own apartment around noon the next day, which was November 2nd. When she got home, she found that the front door was open. The windows were broken and she had found blood smears in the bathroom. She called Meredith, her roommate, but she didn't get an answer. And then she tried to go into Meredith's room, but found that it was locked. And apparently that was not common of her or the other women that live there. To her, it kind of seemed like something was way off and yeah. she was starting to get really concerned. She called one of her other roommates, Philomena Romanelli, and expressed her concern that something may have happened to Meredith, given the way that she found the apartment. She wasn't answering. She couldn't get into her room. Amanda then went back to her boyfriend's place, Raphael. Remember, it's like a five-minute walk. 
told him what she found. And then together they came back to the apartment. They tried to break down Meredith's door to get into her room, but they were not successful. And at that point, Knox then called her mom, who lives again in Seattle, like she's back in the States. So that was at 1247 p.m., who told her, call the fucking police, you idiot. If you think something is wrong, why are you calling me? But she's young. I will give her that. Young, naive, exactly. Mom is usually a go-to. I feel like that's something that just follows you for the rest of your life. If something's wrong, you call your mom. Yeah, I agree. So I can see it from that perspective. From a more mature, you know. Call the fucking cops. Call the police. If you think something is a mess. I mean, it looks like someone broke into your house and you can't get a hold of your roommate. And there's Where's blood, the blood from? right? Like is everyone accounted for. These are all big, glaring red flags. Yeah. She called her mom, like I said, 1247. And then Raphael called the local Italian police at 1251. And the recorded call was him telling them that there was a break in, but he reported that nothing was taken and that the emergency was Meredith's door was locked. She wasn't answering her phone and they found blood in the apartment. And so they were concerned. Police did end up showing up, but they were not the actual police. They were telecommunications investigators who had come to the house for a completely unrelated matter, but they were there to acquire about an abandoned phone that they had found, which traced back to the apartment. And it ended up actually being the Italian cell phone owned by Meredith Kircher. Okay. Shortly after Philomena Romanelli, the other one of the other roommates, arrived back at the apartment and was speaking with the police. And in that conversation, she explained that Meredith actually had two cell phones. She mm. had her Italian one, which they had found, okay. and then the English one, which was found shortly after. Because when Amanda Knox had tried calling her, she called her British phone and it was found to be ringing. And then it had the callback from Amanda on there. And so it was like all of these pieces being put together. And so it wasn't jiving. And Philomena was like, clearly something is wrong. Why are we all finding her phones and places? And so no one has gone into her fucking room. No yet. one has gone into the room. So Philomena, the other roommate's like, y'all are the police. I don't care what kind of police you are. Something is wrong. You need to do something yeah. about it. And they're like, you know, this isn't really our deal. Like we're here dealing with the cell phone issue. And so she's like, fuck this. She had one of her friends with her and they ended up kicking the door down. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, that's where they discovered Meredith Kircher's body on the floor, covered in blood, wrapped in a duvet, like from her bed. Oh it was determined that she had been stabbed multiple times and died of blood loss from neck wounds. Okay. This all happened in a very short amount of time. Shortly after, there were detectives that arrived on scene, and the first detectives were Monica Napoleone and Marco... Marco Polo, Chia, Chia Cara, Chia Sara. Napoleone was the one who conducted the initial interviews, and she just seems like a super peachy person just on the surface. Super Italian, does not like Americans. Oh, is okay. the, the I thought you meant literally, like, nice. Okay. No, so no, 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 no. <laughs> like, very kind of aggressive right off okay. the bat. In the initial interviewing, uh, she got on Amanda Knox's case, like, why didn't you contact the police sooner? That's a big red flag to an investigator at a murder scene. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) And I'm like, rightfully so. That is a great question to be asking. So she had recounted her timeline up until this point. She told the police that the night before she was at Raphael's apartment. They were getting high, watching Amelie, and getting it on. Okay. 
Her boyfriend, on the other hand, Raphael, he told the cops that he couldn't remember if Amanda was there with him that night or not. And he got shitty really quick and claimed that it might have been possible that Amanda could have snuck out of his apartment while she was sleeping. How is he to know? And he totally threw her under the bus. To be fair, remember that they've only known each other for five days. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Like, there is no allegiance to one another. They, two foreigners meeting in in Italy, just getting it on. And he's like, I owe you nothing. That's fair. And so I'm, and my impression was that he was just trying to save himself. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm sure he did not expect to stumble (laughs) into (laughs) this kind of situation. All right. Knox, her interactions with the detectives were not great. (laughs) Um, And she stated that they were really hostile towards her from the start. And they had discounted the idea of someone having broken into the apartment and instead felt like it was likely staged by whomever had killed Meredith. All right. Over the next few days, it was like four or five days, Knox was repeatedly interviewed by the police where she recalled her boss texting her, telling her not to come in that night, staying with Raphael, and then going home the next day where she found her roommate dead. Amanda had been voluntarily giving this information and these interviews to the police and had not been given legal counsel at that point. The reason being... Because she was only being interviewed as a witness. So, fun fact for anyone listening. If you're ever brought in by the police, whether you voluntarily go in, you are giving a statement, you're doing anything, and there's literally a murder that happened. Don't I don't care how say anything. You are, bring a lawyer. Shut your fucking mouth. Do not... Do not say anything without a lawyer, whether especially if you're innocent, (laughs) because it can be turned so quickly on you. And everyone, just because you ask for a lawyer does not mean you're guilty. You have that right. And especially if you're in a foreign fucking country where you don't speak the language. You don't know what their policies are like. They don't know. You don't know how their justice or legal system works. Get a lawyer. Even if you're a witness, that doesn't matter. Say, hey, I will not speak to you until I have a lawyer. And then I will happily answer any questions that you have. They're going to get annoyed by it because it's it's annoying. But, oh, my God, just get a fucking lawyer. That's what they're fucking there for. Or at minimum, like your parent. Right. Like, call your parents. Say, hey, I'm not talking to you until my mom gets here or my dad. They're right. on their way. It'll be a minute. Like, I know <laughs> we have said this before. And it's not legal advice. Yeah. But, like, shut your fucking mouth. As someone who works in that that field, do not talk. <laughs> but because she, I could see, was thinking that she was doing the right thing, just trying to of provide course. information. And if you're innocent, you just want to help. Not saying that she is. I don't know how the story is going to end, but you want to help. You want to let them know everything that you know and that you had no involvement, but it mm-hmm. twisted on you real quick. Yeah. So at this point, they hadn't given her that option really and the way that it works in italy is legal counsel is only appointed if someone is suspected of a crime so because she was being interviewed as a witness that was their way of getting around it getting around it and they were being kind of shady yeah and taking advantage of the naivete however you say that of a young american girl in a completely different country The police then told Amanda what her boyfriend, Raphael, had said, and she broke the fuck down, ended up at that point telling the authorities that her boss, Patrick Lumumba, was actually the one who broke into the apartment. He sexually assaulted and killed Meredith, and then she ended up signing a confession stating that she was in the next room while the murder happened. 
Lamumba ended up having an alibi though, because all of the patrons of the bar that he works at were like, he was fucking working here. That was the statement Amanda gave. That was the signed statement. The confession was that it was actually my boss. I know what happened. I was there. I just wasn't the one who did it. Okay. So in all of this, it was like she had maintained her same story over and over and over again. And they just kind of psychologically and that can happen rammed her. Yeah. Even if you are telling the truth, that can happen where especially depending on how long the interview is, how intense it is, you can false confessions and stuff like that happen so often, unfortunately. So okay. Yeah, because it's like if you believe one thing to be true. But you have someone constantly telling you that, no, something is wrong. Something is wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. Well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I am misremembering. Or I just want to get fucking out of here. Right. They're not going to let me leave until I tell them something or sign them something. I'll just fucking say what they want to hear so I can get the fuck out of here and we'll figure it out later. That's a common thing, too. So, yeah, she ended up saying it was my boss after all. But because he had an alibi, that crumbled very quickly. And so that did not look very good for Miss Amanda. Two weeks later, after all of these initial interviews happened, they they finally got the forensic lab reports from the DNA that they had taken from the crime scene. And none of the results pointed a finger at Amanda or her boyfriend, Raphael, Mm -hmm. but instead pointed a finger at Rudy Goody. Oh, shit. Okay. So, yeah, the acquaintance. And he's the guy that just kind of hangs around. He everyone was. Yeah. He's not a friend of anyone. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's Rudy. And he would, he would hang out with the girls. He would hang out with everyone who lived in the villa. Mm-hmm. When all of this went down, he ended up actually getting the fuck out of Italy, left Stop town, her. and made his way to Germany, where they eventually found him and arrested him. Oh, okay. Based on the DNA results. And at that point, he admitted to being at the scene of the murder, but stated that he wasn't the one that actually killed Meredith and also stated that Amanda and Raphael had nothing to do with it. Oh, I thought he was going to say it was Amanda. Right? But yeah. he's a native to Italy, right? Rudy's situation is very shady. But he's not a foreign exchange student. No, he was just someone that was kind of there throughout all of this. And then it doesn't look great that as soon as things go south, you leave the country. But yeah, he's like, but I was, I mean, I was at the the murder scene, but it wasn't me, but it also wasn't these people. Okay. So there's so many holes and weird things in this case. But at this point, there's no clear cut who done it. But I mean, the the evidence linked it to an actual person. Sure. Okay. Rudy, he ended up opting for one of those fast track trials. He just wanted to get it over with. Oh, okay. Because you can accelerate that. I guess is that something that you can do? Yeah. Everyone has the right to a speedy trial. It's usually, I believe, ninety days after charges are officially filed. Okay. And sometimes it's good for. It could be good for either side. If the prosecution, so the people arresting someone, thinks that they have a really good case, they'll try to do a fast trial because they don't want to give the defense more time to come up with a with reason. With their counter, okay. But it's the defendant, so the person that was arrested, that has the right to it, or they can have a normal trial. Though usually the only reason why a defendant wants to go through a speedy trial is because they want to get this shit going. One, either because they're innocent, or two, because they don't think the prosecution has a good enough case. They think oh. they kind of rush to the charges being filed. And, and so you're going to bum like, rush them on the other shut end. Up, I'm going to show you my defense. What do you got? You weren't prepared for me to do a speedy trial. So that's usually the only two ways in which so it's used. It, it's more of a tactic it, than It's very much else. a tactic. Yeah. Got it. Because okay. otherwise, take your time. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can understand the desire to not want to let something 
you're usually in jail while you're awaiting trial or during your trial, depending on if you were granted bail. Murder, I assume you're not granted bail. So and shit costs money it does, too. Yeah. Like it's it's a whole big thing. But yeah, so he opted for that fast track trial and was ultimately found guilty of murder and sexual assault of Meredith Kircher in October 2008, receiving a 30-year prison sentence. Oh, so she was sexually assaulted? She was. Mm, Okay. So I guess when they found her, so she was like blood-soaked under the duvet with all of the stab wounds. She had a shirt on, but her bra was off and to the side. And then she was naked from the waist down, but still covered with okay. the blanket. Rudy Goody, he has been found guilty of murder. He's going away for 30 years. Everything is great. Case is closed for Amanda and Raphael, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> I hate when you do that. <laughs> so the authorities still believed that Amanda and Raphael were involved as well, and that the two of them, along with Rudy, were all involved in a game of rough sex fueled by marijuana that resulted in Meredith's death. Something went awry. They invited her into their sexcapades and it went wrong. And that's how the roommate ended up dead. Okay. Knox in particular, being the American young girl, she was painted by the prosecution as being a sex fiend, having her way with everyone in Italy because it was known at that time that she was having her moment, just living her young life, being a free lady. But they really leaned into that she-devil image for her. So that was the picture that was being painted. Both Amanda and Raphael actually had to go to trial themselves and they ended up being tried together and on december 29th of 2009 amanda knox was sentenced to 26 years in prison with Raphael receiving 25 years they were both found guilty as well of murder as well of murder as well jesus so that was 2009 december of 2009 in april of 2010 both of their lawyers filed appeals yeah. uh, contesting the evidence and the credibility of the witnesses throughout the trial the appeals process didn't begin until december of 2010 so she's been in prison for a whole year oh, okay. because of this yeah appeals take a really long time <sighs> so during the whole appeals process the forensic experts deemed the dna used in the trial was not reliable the DNA linking Rudy Goody. Linking Rudy Goody and all of the other witness statements. They weren't credible. Okay. Anything that they had used to link Amanda and Raphael in the trial, it was bullshit. Okay. And so it really kind of came across as the Italian government trying to railroad railroad this yeah. American girl and just villainizing her yeah. because of the circumstances. And that's why she was convicted because there wasn't anything really suitable. It came about that the lead detective who was investigating the case, she had initially gone in with her boss and her boss is like, okay, you know what? I'm going to back out of this. I'm going to let you run with it. Mm -hmm. It was her first case that she had ever run on her own. She was kind of hostile with Amanda to begin with. And apparently kind of fumbled and botched shit along the way. But, you know, she had, you know, the country of Italy behind her just saying, you know what? Fuck the American. We're just going to lean into it. On October 3rd of 2011, so two years after her initial trial, the convictions for both Amanda and Raphael were overturned. Oh, nice. Okay. So Knox, rightfully so, hightailed it the fuck out of Italy. And then flew back home to Seattle. 
So she is back home now. She's trying to get her life back to normal. She went back to school. And in March of 2013, both Amanda and Raphael were ordered to stand trial again in Italy for the murder of Meredith Kircher. Does Italy not have double jeopardy? I don't understand how this all came about. It makes me feel like that they Because that they is don't. not legal in America. It is not. Italy's final court of appeal, the court of cassation, ended up overturning the acquittals that they got. Oh, my God. Right? And so it became this whole big clusterfuck. So she's been home for a while now. It's been two years. God damn, just let me be. Like, found me guilty, but it was overturned. That should be enough to let this shit go. Mm -hmm. But they're like, no, we still just think the American did. So So with Italian trials, they don't require the participation in the physical. Like, um, you don't need to be there for the trial. Yeah. She's like, there's no fucking way that I'm going back to this country. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And she was called to appear, but she's like, there's not a fucking chance. That's hard because then you have no idea what's going on. No, but so what she had to do was kind of work with her lawyers to go between, provide video statements and all of that. Oh, yeah, no, I would not physically step on there was not a chance so yeah this whole thing she was not present for any of it but there was no way that she would want to um and so on september 30th of 2013 so six months after she was ordered to stand trial again the new trial began and within that new trial there was a new piece of evidence being examined which so that's kind of what reopened all of this and so what it was it was a small piece of material that was found on a kitchen knife that the prosecutors believed was used to kill meredith and meredith's dna was not found on this knife by the way The person that they suspected being killed with this instrument, there was no DNA of hers on there. But Amanda's DNA was But they found Amanda's DNA. In the place that she lived. In the place that she lived on a kitchen knife that she likely used when preparing food for herself. And so that is the counter argument that her legal team had because, duh, yeah, a kitchen knife in my home, obviously my shit's going to be on the handle. But it's like, you don't even have the victim's DNA on it. Unless that specific knife perfectly matched the stab wounds. And that I could see. Maybe she cleaned it, but she forgot to clean the handle. Nope. That I could see. There was none of that. None of that. They are grasping at fucking straws. But try as they might to counter, her legal team was unsuccessful. And Amanda and Raphael were found guilty again. Oh, my God. Again. So this time, Raphael received the same 25-year sentence. And if you remember the first time Amanda got 26 26 years, this time they upped it to 28 and a half years. In March of 2015, they went through the whole appeals fucking process again because this is bullshit. After she was found guilty, did she have to go? No, she didn't have to go back because she's like, I am not going back to Italy. So what did she do? So she stayed at home while they went through the appeals process. Oh, okay. And like I said, in March of 2015, so about a year or so after, a year and a half after the trial Mm -hmm. started and the sentencing came down again, the Supreme Court of Italy ended up ruling a final decision overturning the conviction and she was acquitted. Oh my God. She spent a total of almost four years in Italian prison. And two years 
in the second trial yes slash oh my god is my life going to be ruined again for her let's give it six and a half years but yeah so a four-year stint and and i guess the conditions in the prison were not great i mean she was beaten abused berated again being an american it must be even fucking did not help but she is now kind of moving on with her life she's a journalist now she's got a family she's kind of going on but yes and then now she's a journalist is she in still in washington she is is still stateside i i yeah where she is currently i don't know if it, if it's changed yeah. there's there was a documentary about the whole case that came about on yeah. netflix yeah i never watched it but i did see it pop up and it was interesting the way that they promoted it because there was two different promos for it one was more the let's lean into the innocent she didn't do anything side and one where she was this sex crazed american exchange student in italy so it's like at the end of the day it still seems like rudy goody was probably the one yeah or he admitted to being there his fucking dna is on the scene he said it wasn't me but he if he's unable to give a fucking real answer of who it was and so like one of the other things that i was thinking about as i was going through all of this was like i remember earlier on Meredith, the roommate, she had started getting it on with the dude who lived in the villa as well. He's the so, one yeah. that introduced everyone to Rudy Goody. Did he have anything to do with yeah, it? Maybe that know. didn't come about. Yeah, so. it sounds like they didn't look into her personal life. They just looked into Amanda's personal life, right? And saw that she was having sex with men. Not what is it in Miranda? Meredith, not Meredith. So for whatever reason, instead of starting with Meredith and going outward of who could possibly be without, you know, even taking into account the DNA, they just like focused on Amanda and what's his nuts and then decided to try to puzzle piece that into Meredith's life. Yeah. So so backwards. That's that like confirmation bias. Like they already have the idea that she has to be the one. Unfortunately, they didn't go in with an open mind. Absolutely not. So that was that guilty until proven innocent Mm -hmm. kind of. So I'm like, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm leaning towards Rudy. Do I think that she murdered her roommate? Probably not. Based on what you told me, I do not think that was. Like, that is not the feeling that I come away with. I feel like she was just a young, kind of dumb girl living her best life. There was no reason for her to murder her roommate. She was off doing her own thing. They were all off doing their own thing. I don't know what the motive would have been. But uh, yeah, so it was... Oh, that's terrifying. That was a roller coaster. So that book that I read that you had also read mentions, we're not fucking calling the cops up not being another Amanda Knox. Right. And I went, God, I should really look into that. And I never did. Yeah. So that was her story. And that is so terrifying yeah, because I could say that the sky is blue and then I would feel like someone would be like, no, you're wrong. And I'm going to find you guilty of yeah. some terrible yeah, offense. Terrifying. Cool. Ugh, yeah. So... That's interesting. I didn't, it was, I didn't know any of that. Yeah, because I didn't follow it closely while it was happening. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because I would have yeah. been so sucked in. But this spanned years. Yeah. Remember, this started in 2007. Well, courts, no matter where you are, the courts is a long process. It's never something quick. Yeah, this was like a seven to eight year process. And most of that time, she was either in prison or on trial for whatever reason. These are in her formative years, her early 20s. Yeah, God, like, that sucks. That is traumatizing. <sighs> but anywho, <laughs> so that is her harrowing <laughs> tale. <laughs> what is on the docket for our next episode? So for next week, I have two options. One is... This mom influencer named Katie Sorensen. Why does that name sound familiar? I don't know. I don't know what she did. I wrote it down. Uh, Sentence for false kidnapping report. 
Right. She had posted an Instagram about how a couple tried to kidnap. Oh, that's and right. It was, like a, it was like a Mexican. Yes, that's right. Palatka. That's what it was. I have no idea what you're talking you about. You have no idea? Okay, never mind. Ask mom. Ask mom. Or <laughs> I could do the Oklahoma City bombing. That one more people know about, I feel. Okay. I don't know anything about it. I well, just we just covered a woman. and I, Let's do a man. Let's, let's do that. So we're going to do the Oklahoma City bombing. Okay. And there's a couple of different conspiracies on if they think the person that was arrested was involved, if the government did it, that kind of stuff. All righty. Okay. So that's what we'll do. We're kind of on a tight deadline over the next month because mm-hmm. it is September 30th. And you, I have 31 days fuck, until I move. So I know. And the reality was starting. It, I mean, it's been <laughs> creeping in, but I was driving home from the gym. Uh-huh. I was now. following yeah. you because yeah, you, you, we were going back to my place and I drove by the pool and I looked by, I'm like, we're not going to have hot girl summers at the pool no, anymore. I'm going to come visit, but I'm going to hot girl week. <laughs> so you're going to have your own hot girl summer at your own community pools. <laughs> Yeah, so all of the normal things that we do that I take for I granted know. are starting to like know, sink in. It is very sad. All of my coworkers are checking in with me. They're like, <laughs> "What are you gonna do at the end of the year?" Who's gonna be your friends, right? Like, are you gonna be okay? But it's okay. We'll still have the podcast. We will talk at least once a week. We will continue our tradition yeah. of letter writing when we yeah. live. With your new dick stamp. I have an ejaculating dick stamp, <laughs> which I had to covertly hide from my child as I opened it up as a birthday present in front of our parents. Oh, they're so used to it. Unfortunately, Everything around us is dicks. <laughs> unfortunately, we have conditioned them to accept us for the heathens that we are. I apologize, mom and dad. But I apologize for nothing. You created this. You created both of us. It's right. your fault. You know, if you're interested in seeing what the dick stamp looks like, maybe we'll post it on Patreon along with the mouse video. Yes, but again, video you have to be a contributor to our Patreon, a bare minimum contributor at that, which is how much, Jackie? A dollar a month. A dollar a month for $12 a year. You can check us out. <laughs> but aside from our Patreon, what are the other ways our listeners can get a hold of us? So we have Instagram, which is our main ones, Cracked Sister conspiracies you can send us dms of episode suggestions or serial killers that you want us to cover for our killers quarterly anything like that or just feedback or just feedback we have twitter or x which we don't use but it's there i did actually check our facebook today oh there was nothing on it. i haven't thought about we did have that. a couple friend requests but it's all the people that we're already friends with on instagram they're just oh, like checking in I guess. you know what just add i appreciate them. it yeah. i did Okay. And then we also have an email, crackedsistersconspiracies at gmail.com. Give us episode suggestions on that platform as well. And then we're working on a TikTok. So we have it created. I just need to start combing through the clips because we Zoom record all of our sessions as well. So everything's video recorded as well. Yeah. Might put some other... Excuse me, weird nuggets of information. <laughs> like that, Jim. Like that. <laughs> but yeah, so with that, I'm going to say stay cracked, y'all. And have a great day.